without further ado, uh, please join me in welcoming our head football coach, Bronco Nemethal. It's, it's my pleasure uh, to be here. I, and I feel lucky, uh, just to be clear, to be at the University of Virginia. Uh, it wasn't an afterthought for me. Uh, it was a destination choice. And some uh, in the profession um, questioned that choice and that destination, to put it mildly. Uh, for those that knew me best, it made perfect sense to them. And I'll share this just simply. Uh, I'm a, a big picture thinker who considers myself a teacher first. Uh, my uh, reason for coaching has changed over the years as has my reason um, for existence, I would say. I heard the question, how do you measure success? And I heard bright and articulate and passionate people wrestle with what does that mean? Uh, I wrestled with that issue as well. After my third season at Brigham Young, um, we had just gone 11 and two back to back, had the nation's longest winning streak. I was holding up uh, the conference championship trophy, um, confetti and everything else happening, and at that moment, while holding up the trophy, uh, a very clear and distinct thought was, there has to be more than this. Mm -hmm. I won't ever forget it. Um, and maybe that pinnacle wasn't the same for others, but for me, at that place, at that time, that was representative of what was supposed to be completely fulfilling. What I learned at that moment is it was not enough. And I told my wife, after the game, as I drove home, that um, uh, our coaching career is over. And she paused <laughs> and said, uh, rethink that. <laughs> and so I did. Uh, there is a, uh, a program and a facility uh, that's run for heads of state, um, for special forces um, people, for people of high visibility, um, that help them manage and help them gain, gain clarity. This facility welcomed four people at that time. Again, this was after my third year of being a head coach. And I was there, and it just so happened that the three other attendees they closed the facility for, for just the four of us, were all coaches. Two had just won national championships. And another um, was very well respected. Interestingly enough, they had, while holding a national championship trophy, they had the exact same thought as I did. And they were there for the same reason. The four of us, uh, and I will talk about Virginia football as this leads into it, the four of us then were asked as we arrived by the moderator uh, in our personal space, which he wasted no time to get into, <laughs> which is uncommon in the world of um, leadership. There's usually a buffer or fire lines that have to be, you have to go through others to get to the leader. This person was immediately not only in our space, um, but in proximity to where it made us all uncomfortable. And he pointed, didn't quite touch our chest, but he pointed um, in a way that was, that was confrontational. And he said, who are you without your job, your title, and your money? And we were then, the four of us, were left for three days um, to craft purposes and statements as to who we are, why are we doing what we are doing, and... And then we had to present that in front of each other, and our colleagues then could then say, 
they could call um, lack of authenticity on your remarks. Hmm. Meaning that um, real recognizes real. And so I brought um, my purpose a uh, great exercise in terms of defining success. And this will uh, at least inform you of what UVA's football coach's intent is and then whether there is success and how it's manifest. My purpose as crafted uh, and just recently revised. I revise it every year. I'll live my life with faith, hope, and gratitude leading and inspiring my family and those I have stewardship over to seek find and fulfill their ultimate missions in life. I will learn, teach, mentor, and develop others as they strive to magnify their divine potential. I will be at peace as I devote my entire life to teaching and serving my fellow man. So if you're wondering how you measure success in others, I think it starts simply with how you measure success within yourself. My primary job manifest through the game of football is to help the young people that arrive at the University of Virginia identify what is their purpose and then pursue that with help while they're here and then launch them into life with a clearer understanding to unify and link to that as soon as possible to have a fulfillment on this planet that's probably not possible without identifying that true purpose. So I'm lucky uh, to have a partner who also understands the reality of where we currently are. And so with your permission, I thought I would just give you a quick state of the program. Uh, as honestly and as authentically and as succinctly as I possibly can. So you don't have to uh, rely on any other source. Uh, what I've learned in the world of college football and through the world of reporting, if all areas in the world and if all topics are reported on as they are in sport, I would question the authenticity and sincerity <laughs> and accuracy. So thought it would best to just hear from me directly uh, what I see. So I believe uh, that organizations are perfectly designed for the results they get. I don't think it's accidental. Currently, uh, by returning to postseason play last year, which is a minimum threshold. That was the first time in six years that that's happened at University of Virginia. If and when we do that again this upcoming year, which will be a stretch goal, not a stretch where you're on your tippy toes just reaching, um, we test our players for vertical jump. And there's an apparatus that, that stands and there's um, different plates that stick out and as you jump, you reach and you tap and you get three attempts and it takes everything you have and you're reaching for the next tier that would be the equivalent of that stretch goal for us is returning to postseason play in year three. That would be the first time in 13 years that that's happened at the University of Virginia. That's not an accident. Uh, I'm not looking for necessarily the autopsy of how come and why has it been 13. What I'm interested in saying is where are we now? It is possible and I would venture to say it's, um, it's likely that that happens. Then in year three, we're back-to-back -back in postseason play, from which is the world's metric, not purpose, the world's metric of what does success begin to look like. Again, that ends an era of 13 years of a minimum standard of what succession um, 
consistency even looks like to launch. This past year, we played 17 first-year players. That is fourth most in college football. There are 131 Division I programs. We played 17 first years. That, by the way, was our first recruiting class. My staff and I, I chose to honor the commitments of every player that was awarded the scholarship by the previous staff. One-third of them are left. Two-thirds are gone. So within our first recruiting class, um, postseason play was the result. I believe we have 27 ACC caliber football players on our roster today. We have 85 scholarships to give. That means that with our 18 class arriving that we selected, we think that number will jump to the mid-40s this year. Then that will be first and second years. When we add 19 with a very simple premise of greater than, not equal to, 19's class then will get us to approximately 65-ish players that are of ACC caliber if we do our job right in the selection process. And by the time 20's class comes, that will be approximately 85 ACC caliber players. In the meantime, my job is that I relish and I'm lucky to have to show a trend upward through success and winning with the existing resources we have through motivation, culture, and innovation to maximize their potential so it's demonstrated on the field that actually is a direct representation of our values. Not, def not distinct and separate from, not a culture that is um, entitled and in place of, that actually reflects what the University of Virginia is. Demonstrated through sport, which unites people of all different um, races, backgrounds, socioeconomic status, which, which is quite frankly one of the biggest challenges of UVA's fan base that I've seen. If you look at current struggles, our in-state competitor, the last time an in-state player has seen University of Virginia beat Virginia Tech, they were three years old. Matter of factly, uh, our competitor in-state has been to 25 straight bowl games. That is the most in college football. We just went back for the first time in six years. The narrative for the in-state player, which are the hardest to get currently, um, when they choose Penn State, they are praised for it. When they choose Clemson, they are praised for it. If they choose Ohio State, that's celebrated. Uh, when they say they're coming to Virginia, these are the best players, the first question is, how come? They don't value football. That is the perception, and that is actually the recent history, just matter of fact. When a player out of state selects Virginia, what he's told is, wow, what an amazing school. You're so lucky. You get a world-class education, an opportunity to build a program with a coaching staff that has a history of 12 bowl games in the last 13 years. How lucky are you? Those two narratives are completely different currently. The culture of the program is strong. The players have absolute and sincere belief in our future. They're exposed to 14 families, 14 amazing families, that until we arrived have never been into assistant coaches' home. Um, they're seeing what families look like. They're seeing what leadership looks like. They're seeing what community service looks like. They're seeing what community integration looks like. And they're starting to experience success. Our first year, not a single player on the team had ever won a road game. This year, not a single player had ever been to postseason. They had no idea what that even looked like. They know it's going to work. They can feel it. They sense it. And they feel lucky to be part of it, as do I. It's only the beginning. 
we will get exactly what we invest in and how we organize for. Uh, and it's totally possible that UVA, if we intend to, can, uh, could, win the, could win the ACC and be directly and specifically and completely aligned with the values of the institution where there's no concessions made. That is my job. That's why I came. I'm anxious to take questions. Please. Thank you. And, uh, and I like your, your focus on looking ahead. What was your reflection? Oh. You got to the bowl game and you lost by 40 points. Yeah. So, so here is, it's, it's matter of fact, um, and, and I'll give, so I believe the best predictor of future performance is past performance when it replicates. So for myself and my staff, this was normal. This was commonplace. This is all we had known as a coaching staff. Um, now separate a team that had never been. They were so thrilled, and it felt so good to have anyone and everyone tell them, postseason, I'm going to be there. The edge was lost very quickly as to um, when I watched the existing fans that were at the Georgia Tech game rush the field, I was walking off, and I stopped, and I, and I turned around, and I said, this is amazing. Our folks are rushing the field for qualification for a bowl game. That's a reference point. And I pondered, and I, but I looked at our players. I've never seen players or people celebrate as wildly and authentically as in that locker room after that game. The unique challenge was there was still more season to play. They had not yet considered, nor had I, framing, now what? And we got it back toward the Miami game, and we got it back actually toward Virginia Tech in a 10 nothing loss. There wasn't quite frankly, anything left after. The spirit of the team, the physical makeup of the existing roster, the energy of the coaches on what this is taking, the reality was there was nothing left. And we performed exactly as we are currently prepared to perform. It wasn't an accident. It was just another metric. And probably the best thing that could have happened, as hard as that is to say, as to now that this is postseason, this is where we rank in postseason. So now that we're there, Let's now reconsider what has to happen to be successful in it. And so that takeaway, it actually is driving the offseason in the most ferocious nature and more so than if we had won that game. And so I view it as a benefit in a very unique way as someone that loves feedback and then that cycle of how fast we can apply it. Um, there was nothing left. And quite frankly, the underestimation of um, the, the previous points of reference that any of these kids had had, they were just so thankful to get there. And, and what do you mean we get a new sweatsuit? And what do you mean there's a hospitality room and there's these activities? And <laughs> what, what is, they, they didn't know that world existed. Oh, and by the way, we have to practice. Practice did not look the same as we are here to annihilate our opponent. It was lesser than by, uh, and I think unintentionally by intent, just simply um, for where we currently are. Other questions, if there are any, I'm glad to address all and any so you can hear it directly from me. I keep asking you back. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so very much. It, it's my absolute pleasure, and I, I have to say um, that this possibility um, is a remarkable, remarkable possibility, and it was an intentionally chosen, and I'm going to give you one last story just uh, to, to maybe uh, ponder and contemplate. Part of our mission statement um, 
and there are a number of things in it. The, one of the first is to build fortitude. As you talked about measuring success in young people, we had a special forces operator, a tier one special force, forces commander come and work with our team. He put them through a three-hour crucible um, that is basically just sheer annihilation in the attempt to not break the human spirit, but to build it. At the end of his two days with us, um, he said, complete, um, he has no reason, there, there's nothing contractual. Um, I just like building the will of my players. And at the end he said, I think they're going to make a movie about what's happening here. <laughs> Meaning he's thinking and he's seeing, this is just, the door is just cracking on what's possible at UVA. And, and that was encouraging by what he saw from our team. The few that have been selected and chosen under these criteria and what they're building, but he said, my intent is to build fortitude. And a lot of times we talk about young people as being tough. Tough means taking things um, and not necessarily responding back. In their world of the, of the uh, teens communities, they use the word fortitude, which means you take it, then you do something about it. And so building fortitude once a purpose is identified and aligned with, you can actually um, work toward that rather than wait for things to be imposed on you. And so we believe in building fortitude. We know as a program, whether it's supported or not, that the program will not advance at the level necessary till we beat our in-state rivals. Um, that reference point is real. The resources currently are disproportionate, but that does not mean success isn't possible. Culture, innovation, and, and st strategic mastery can do that. When that happens, there can start to be a shift that maybe once and for all will change the narrative in state. When that happens, an ACC championship, if you're thinking about the world's views, what if the University of Virginia, with all of our ideals and passion of learning and development of young people and leadership, then are exceptional on the field as well and one of the most visible gauges of what a brand is? What if that happens? And so then to this question, um, we believe we can change the world by doing all that. And you'll say, how come? You're just a football coach. The, the simple matter of fact reason is this, that when you take young people from a program like that, and then they're spread and graduate from UVA and are placed all over the world, those homes, those communities, those little league teams, those churches, they become more vibrant because of people that have been trained by us. That then has an influence. That was presented as one of my graduate assistants to a professor on grounds. And the professor fiercely combated that, that you cannot change the world through football. I was so proud of my graduate assistant who stood toe to toe and shared our vision. Eventually, as trust is built with time and consistency, still too early, I get it. But with time and consistency, there might be more advocates as to, you know what, I think you can do this. <laughs> this actually is going to work. And that in and of itself, eventually more seats will be full, maybe not for football fans, maybe by life fans, maybe by teachers, maybe by others that just want to support a cool narrative. Um, and then, like the picture outside of my office, I have a picture where every seat is full. I'm not saying that those are all sports fans. They might be um, teaching and development and life fans, which seems to make great sense for UVA. Um, a question, please. Yeah, and it's probably Charlotte. Um, oh, good. Because your model, <laughs> no, amazing, right? Great leadership, thank you. Um, but I think that's true also of all the other coaches. I agree. And I think that's what we also do well, is, is picking some great leaders 
to bring this knowledge to kids. I would love to see just a suggestion, but it would, I think it would be fun to see, you know, coaches at this table, along with some leadership professors, maybe from Darden and McIntyre and, and Batten, and having a conversation about, and Pat and, and some others, in the room about students here, about that life choice you made and other coaches made, about the leadership characteristics, because they're all a little different. Imagine filming that and putting that out to the alumni, putting it out to actually to the world, as this is our distinctive signature, you know, method and program. And we'll get articles written, you know, we'll, we'll figure out, you know, how are we going to figure, you know, how are we going to communicate this to the world? Because I think you're not, you, you're unique, but you're not unique to the UVA in that the goal is to actually connect and bring these tools to all students, you know, not just those in the program. If I could add just one, one point as a follow-up. I serve on the, uh, the AFCA, which is the American Football Coaches Board of Directors. Um, and I would say that the primary intent right now in college sport, football in particular, um, is, is nothing but what we just described here. Um, it is moving very fast toward professionalism, toward commercialization, um, and simply toward the game itself, which the byproduct of that is just the prolonging of adolescence with very little thought to what then. I ask uh, players when they're in my office, um, tell me about your goal, tell me about your future, tell, you, tell me about your purpose. Almost all say, even at UVA, um, my goal is to play in the NFL. And then my simple response is, and. Exactly. It's amazing the uncomfortable silence that immediately precedes that. Parents look at the young person, the young person looks at parents, and that discussion hasn't even happened. It's the beginning of our dialogue, knowing that statistically, as you consider now the NFL, 85% um, of the makeup of the NFL, those young people all come, or 85% come from single parent homes. So that's one dynamic. The next part is the lucky ones that make it to their second contract. That means there's some sustainability. When they leave the NFL, they are all of the following. This is 78%, almost 80%. They are divorced, bankrupt, a substance abuser, and disabled, all four. That's almost 80% of the lucky ones that make it to their second contract. So I'm a fierce it's proponent. It's basketball, too. I mean, it's true for most people. So the intent is my, uh, I want them to pursue the NFL if they're one of the 20% that are clear about what they're going to do after and have a great path and become uh, better because of the experience. And if that narrative, by the way, and our other coaches here are exceptional and unified in purpose, hearing from me, I, I think you could just trade anyone in and it would be the same, um, but they're exceptional. Uh, Franco and Carla, I think one of the, the real lessons I've learned is uh, our teams are the epitome of what it means to be inclusive. That each athlete is given an opportunity to succeed and be challenged, irrespective of their origin. So what lessons do you have for us mm. who are trying to extend that sense of inclusiveness mm. to our broader university community? So um, the lenses and how we see, I think, controls so much of it. And I, I can see a prospect through the lens of a football coach, but that would just make me a football coach primary, whose primary job is to win games. That isn't my purpose. <laughs> my, my purpose is to take any person um, that is passionate about leadership development, education, 
and sport and then giving back. And then how do I see that? And by seeing it, um, put it this way, what we look for allows the inclusion. Um, and the limited lens limits the inclusion. And I don't want people in my organization that are exclusive. I want inclusive in relation and alignment to our purpose and our vision and our mission. And our mission is critical. Um, as the special forces say, the mission is critical. If our, the, if the, if the, uh, the individuals in our organization aren't absolutely clear on our mission, um, how do they select to it? And when your mission is something about changing the world, you're probably not just recruiting a tailback. Um, and, and so we want the best of everything. And I think that's what everyone here wants. Um, not many in the world of college athletics are intending to pull this off because it's too much work. Um, and there's nothing in it for the coach other than risk. Less than 5% uh, of my colleagues are intentional about what we're trying to pull off. Quick last question. Coach, thank you for your quick remarks. Um, as you as you fulfill your uh, commitments, uh, football schedule, mm -hmm. would you say a few words about your uh, approach, your philosophy about the schools that you choose to play where you yes. freshmen outside? Yeah, I, I would love to address that. Um, part of my passion is program design and organizational development. And I'm very clear now after a recalibration, um, a two-year recalibration. So anyone that's a leader, you're always scanning the environment and looking to see what you have and then how to adjust. The first team meeting that I had in relation to your question, my first team meeting with the current team at UVA, I've never been um, uh, more sad in my life. These players were despondent, dejected, and in despair, and the best players were on the verge of quitting. They could not or would not make eye contact. They sat with body language that reflected um, lack of competence, lack of desire, and hopelessness. Um, the entire first year was nothing other than building habits of individual uh, capability. It had nothing to do with football, as you saw on the field. <laughs> year, <laughs> year two, so if you were in business, it would be less, <laughs> lesser than taking over a startup. You would be in taking over a program that was in bankruptcy that then you build to startup level to then become. Year one just got us rarely or barely to startup level. We added football in year two, just enough with first-year players to get us back to postseason. This is sequential. There is no magical thing, and, I, and, and maybe there will be at some point a coach here that will say it's magical, but you happen to have a coach that's going to be sequential, and we will fight for every blade of grass along the way um, to make this happen. That's how it's going to be. To the question of scheduling, in this, in this consecutive and sequential process, we have four non-season or uh, four out-of-conference games per year. And I'll be brutally honest. That's the only way, and it saves time and energy. I want to play the worst Power 5 team that we can play. Um, that's what the ACC requires. You have to play one other Power 5. I want to find the worst one we can play um, so we can get another win. Then I want to find three other games that are close and beatable. I don't want to go to Boise. I don't want to go to UCLA. I don't want to go to Oregon. I don't want to go back to BYU. Um, I'd rather have them come here and lose. And I'd like to be building uh, capability and momentum into an existing schedule 
that we're not favored in any game. And while you learn to win, you actually then increase your chances to win and the culture starts to build along the way. So I like regional and intriguing and beatable in terms of, of uh, what my non-ACC non schedule philosophy is. Um, knowing that we just won three ACC games, um, it'll take everything we have to do that again. So where are the other wins going to come from to get to six, which gets you back to postseason? So I think there can be intentional things done to build culture and success um, without compromising the fan experience if I pick close, regional, intriguing, and beatable. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I, I, obviously, we could spend the rest of the board meeting, and maybe everybody would prefer, but I, I don't think Rusty will let us do that. Thank you so much.